0: Well, why don't we start with you, Denise? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here?
1: I'd like to introduce my daughter. Is that Jamie? Yes.
0: (laughs) Take your time. She's beautiful. (laughs)
1: Thank you. She was my youngest daughter. Um, And... September of 21, September 13th of 2021, she was murdered by the COVID hospital protocol in Northeast Baptist Hospital in San Antonio, Texas. Um, on August 31st, her fiance reached out to me at 2 o'clock in the morning and said he was taking Jamie to the neighborhood um, Baptist Hospital in shirts. So on August 27th, she had been diagnosed with COVID and August 31st, she went in because she was having difficulty breathing. We never saw her again in person. Um, 36 years, Jamie had never been in the hospital by herself. There was always a family member, always. We're the type of family that if someone goes in the hospital we just, we all gather together. We're there. And it's, are
0: you guys close? Are you close close. She was
1: one of, she's one of my best friends.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's my traveling buddy. Hmm. And, uh, so in 36 years, she had never been in the hospital alone. Um, yeah, she's 36 years old. She's an adult. So, you know, I'm mom trying to give her space, let her make her decisions. She had tried treating it at home, um, but her breathing was very labored. So she decided on her own accord to go in. They say we never saw her again. Um, on September 1st, she was admitted to the Baptist Neighborhood Hospital Insurance. Mm-hmm. That morning, she called me and she said, Mom, she was real excited. She said, Mom, there's, there's a new medication. It's supposed to help me get better. It's supposed to help me get over COVID. They're wanting me to try it. And uh, I said, Jamie, what is the name of it? And she says, I I don't remember. I don't think they even told me, Mom. But they assure me it's going to make me better. It's, you know, I'm just going to be in here for maybe one night, you know. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, I said, do you know the side effects? Do you know anything about the medication, Jamie? And she said, no, but it's okay, Mom. It's okay but they couldn't start it right then. Her liver enzymes were high. So she was waiting for her, they were waiting for her liver enzymes to go down. Well, that afternoon they started her on the medication. Now I've talked to a nurse, I've asked a nurse what the medication was. The nurse couldn't, she didn't have the chart in front of her. She couldn't remember the name of the medication. You've the doctors ordered a medication, you're the one prescribing it, you're the one administering it, and you don't remember the name of the medication. Okay.
0: That's bizarre. So, they
1: don't want to Mary. tell anybody. Yeah.
0: Do you get the feeling that she knew what it was and she was just playing a little dumb, or how did how did that strike you in the moment?
1: You know, Mike, looking back, they knew. Yeah. There was no doubt in my mind that they knew. They knew the exactly doctors. what she were doing. Jamie knew. No. The doctors, yes. Hmm. The doctors knew, the nurses knew. Did Jamie know? No, she did not. No. Right. Yeah. And and I mean, I then asked and they said no. Um, my eldest daughter's a nurse. So whenever I would have Jamie on the phone or a doctor or a nurse, I would usually have Nicole on the phone as well. Because, you know, I'm I'm not a medical person. You know, yeah. my right. daughter is. So, um...
0: Did they respect the fact that she was in the, the in the profession? Your, your Nicole, your other girl? Not
1: daughter? at all. Not at all. Not at all. And and I'll, I'll tell you a little story about that. Mm. Victor, the gatekeeper. Mm.
0: Um.
1: So as soon as they started the Remdesivir, the next day, I mean, Jamie started going downhill immediately, immediately. And I kept saying, you know, Jamie, something's wrong. They're not something's not right. She goes, well, mom, you know, it's, I'm getting worse. And I said, I know you're getting worse, honey, but they're, they're, they're not doing something. Now, in the meantime, they've started the remdesivir. They're raising her oxygen. They're raising the, the, she was on a um, nose cannula. Mm. Then she went to a bypass and they're, 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 you know, they're telling me, well, she's on high flow oxygen. Now I'm said well, I don't know anything about high flow oxygen. I don't know anything about oxygen. But my daughter, the nurse, was saying, why is she on high flow oxygen? Again, Mm. no answers. Mm. So September 3rd, they decided to transfer Jamie. Jamie called me and told me she was being transferred. And I could hear in her voice that she was scared. Yeah, Um, I was scared. Um, they transferred her to Northeast Baptist to a step-down unit. Um, again, I went up there. Her fiance and I went up there. We still got no answers. Um, a nurse came out and spoke to us one time, tried to call up there. They wouldn't even take her call in the step-down unit. On September 5th, she was transferred to ICU. And by this time, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. So I, I basically... <laughs> more or less stormed the ICU, demanding to talk to a doctor, demanding answers. Right. And I I flat told them, you're killing my daughter. Mm. I don't know what you're doing, but whatever you're doing is not working. You're killing my daughter. So I asked to speak to a doctor, nurse Dupree, and a respiratory therapist came out and spoke with me. It was the respiratory therapist on September 5th. That told me she was on remdesivir she's been on remdesivir since September 1st my daughter the nurse was on the line she said mom get her off of that now now get her off of that now mm-hmm. so I said okay I so she's talk on to it daughter.
0: for a full four days before you guys were made aware that she was on it
1: yes yes and I've been asking the whole time what medications are you giving her what are you doing for my daughter what's the treatment plan Mm. continue medications continue observation continue oxygen that was the answers i could not i, I didn't even know about all the other medications the oxygen suppressing medication she was on fentanyl midazolone uh bernice Burnicib- thank you. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> and then and then there was a tokaluzabam. To- to- mm. yeah um
0: this dangerous, this dangerous cocktail that they give patients
1: to—absolutely, nobody told us she was on any of that. No one. I never knew until I got the records. Um, so the doctor comes out, Doctor Stephen I. he comes out and he sits down across from me, and my daughter's on the phone, and we're asking him questions. And uh, I said, "What do, what medication is she is she on? What no? What medications is she on? She's on ramdesivir." He said, Remdesivir doesn't seem to be working. Can we give her ivermectin? No. Why not?
0: So, you asked specifically for ivermectin?
1: I did more than once. Um, no, I'm not giving her ivermectin. Why not? It's not part of the hospital protocol. So, we went on to something else, um, some modalities. They said, you know, her sister's saying, well, can you put warm compresses on her chest? Can you do the cupping? You know, I mean, her lungs are, are congested, so we need to get that out. No, he refuses. I said, is she on the speedometer or whatever, the, the thing where you blow into it and you get gauge the oxygen?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, no, we're not doing any of that. The normal modalities they were not doing and they refused to do. So we circle back around to ivermectin. I asked for monoclonal antibodies. No. So I come back to ivermectin. I said, will you please at least just try ivermectin? Take her off her severe and at least try the ivermectin. He leans forward in his chair and he says to me, I will not order that medication He pops up out of his chair, and he starts to walk out. He gets to the doors of the waiting room, and I said, Excuse me, doctor. He pivots around, and he looks at me, and I said, Can we have a discussion about medications and what she's on and what you're doing for her? Mm. I will not order the medication. And he walked out. I was livid. Absolutely livid. So... I asked to speak to someone higher than him. They gave me Victor. Can't remember his last name. I call him the gatekeeper because from that point forward, everything had to go through Victor.
0: And who is Victor?
1: Victor? Victor was the RN house officer. Basically he was a house manager, the RN house manager. His office was outside of the ICU. He wasn't even inside the ICU. He was outside of the ICU.
0: I don't know much about hospital hierarchies, but he doesn't sound higher than the attending physician.
1: A nurse is under the doctor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. And I even asked him, you know, who, who, who can I speak to? My daughter, you know, I'm killing my daughter. My daughter's not going to live through this. Who do I speak to? Mm. I, I was given a um, patient advocate. I did get to speak to a respiratory doctor, Doctor ha- uh, Hospenthal, mm. who gave me some bizarre explanation of how COVID attacks the lungs and it's like a web, and it was bizarre,
0: mm. very bizarre. Um, did Jamie so have any underlying? Cold, did she have any underlying? No. conditions. She was perfectly healthy.
1: She was healthy. She was she was a little overweight, according to the record. She was morbidly obese. We're all more morbidly
0: obese. We're all morbidly we're, obese. We're, we're all morbid, right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We're all morbidly obese, according <laughs> exactly. to that
1: chart. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, she was healthy. Thirty-six years old, healthy, on the precipice of getting the American dream. She, in fact, while she was in um, the Baptist Hospital in Shirts, the neighborhood hospital, she signed paperwork to where I could sign for her and her fiance to buy the home that they, their dream home that they had been looking for. Mm. She didn't even sign the mortgage paperwork. I signed for her. She never, she never spent the night in
0: her home because they murdered her. This has gotta be so tough.
1: So, September 5th, you know, we're still getting the runaround from the nurses, the doctors, Victor. And I'm in Victor's office and I'm asking him, who's making the decision? Who who decides the protocol? I want to talk to that person. Good question. He never would tell me, never would tell me, never would tell me. And, and I have Nicole on the phone. And actually, there was a third person that was with Nicole, another nurse, actually. And we're all questioning him, like, why can't we be told who's making the decision? I want to talk to that person. And finally, out of desperation, he says, it's a CDC. Mm. My daughter's a nurse. She was doing home health at the time. She had the protocol CDC protocol emailed to her daily. She already had it pulled up. And she read to him from disavere, ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, and the list went on. And his response was I'm not talking to her anymore. That's the hospital protocol. That's it. We're not ordering anything else. So at that point, it was, you know, pretty much futile. We knew that. Right. I still argued. I still, you know, Nicole still stayed on the line and it became this, what she said, what he said, because they're talking to me, but to right. each other, which was, you know, childish.
0: Right.
1: Um, so, you know, I, I finally just, I just got so frustrated. I had to, I had to go back to the house and help Tim with the kids. Tim is still sick. He's he's got long COVID at this point because he had COVID too.
0: So he has a husband. He's
1: he's Jamie's fiance. Oh, with Jamie's fiance. Okay. So you know he's he's got four boys at the house ranging from twenty to fifteen, and you know he's trying to get them back and forth. Well, I had to go and help him with the kids, pick up the kids from school, so I left. Went back up there um, on the. No, I went back up there later that, that evening. Still, they wouldn't let me see her. I, I begged, I pleaded, they would not let me see her. Um, now, Jamie is, is, you know, we're FaceTiming some. She's talking to me some on the phone and we're messaging back and forth. Um, Nurse Dupree, Jamie, Jamie called me one time and she goes, Mom, I don't know what the treatment plan is. She goes, they're not talking to me about the treatment plan. So They're I not said, even well, telling her. Well, and I told her, I said, well, Jamie, I said, nurse Dupree tells me that he's telling you. And she says, mom, he's not telling me anything. None of the doctors are talking to me. Nobody's talking to me. I said, okay, baby girl. So I got off the phone and I called and spoke to nurse Dupree. Hmm. And I called him out. I said, I just got off the phone with Jamie. She's telling me that y'all aren't talking to her. Well, she must be delusional or something because we're talking to her. Prior to this conversation, he's telling me that they're talking to me as a courtesy because Jamie is coherent and able to make her own decisions.
0: Hmm.
1: So I call him out. So they're doing you a
0: favor, in other words.
1: Yeah. I said, is she coherent to make decisions or is she not coherent to understand the treatment plan when you talk to her? (laughs) Which one is it? He hung the phone up on me.
0: Hmm.
1: Literally. So again, on September 5th,
0: I'm I'm in... The contempt that they have. I've heard
2: the story 20 times and
1: every time it just is...
0: It's infuriating.
1: Yes, you should have been there in person.
0: No, I don't doubt it.
1: Um, So on September 5th, I'm in Victor's office and I'm saying to him... I don't like the treatment she's getting here. Y'all are killing her. Literally, y'all are killing her. I want to. I want her moved. First, he told me no. Then he told me that um, no hospital in San Antonio would accept her. And I said, I didn't say anything about a San Antonio hospital. Right. He says, well, you have to find a doctor and a hospital that will accept her. I said, okay. I called my nurse daughter, who works with doctors and hospitals down in South Texas. Mm. Within two hours, she had a hospital and a doctor that would accept her. We were five minutes away from getting an answer from Halo Flight to fly her down. And I went back to Victor and said, okay, we found a doctor. We found a hospital. And he says, she can't be moved. I said, why not? said her oxygen level's too low. In two hours time, her oxygen level fell to such a critical condition that she could not be moved even with Halo Flight.
0: It sounds to me like he wasn't expecting you to come back with that answer and then he scrambled for an excuse.
1: Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I'm not making an accusation here because I don't know. I, I wasn't in there. But I'll do that. um, (laughs) Something doesn't seem right.
0: Mm, No,
1: something doesn't seem right. Right. So on September 6th, Jamie sent me a message. And she said, Mom, I feel like I need one to one care. So she's in the ICU. Mm. I feel like I need one to one care. So I called her. I said, baby girl, what's going on? She's talking to me. She's talking to me through the BiPAP, but she's talking to me. She says, mom,
0: did you seem coherent?
1: Very coherent. Yes. She's talking to me. And I said, honey, what's going on? Baby girl, what's going on? She says, mom, they're not talking to me. I don't know what's going on. She says, "I'm, I'm in a panic attack. I don't know what's going on. Mom, I'm scared. So I started Was she, was she breathing to
0: heavily? Was she, Is anything consistent with low oxygen levels during that conversation? I mean, I'm She had I'm, a I'm mask a
1: on, and she would she would get um, short of breath. But you know, I would tell her, you know, take a couple of breaths. You know, Because also I mean, a panic
2: attack, which
1: exactly right. And so I'm talking mm. her through the panic attack. She's calming down. She's relaxing. I could hear in her voice that she was calming down. So she says to me, Mom, the doctor and the nurse are here. My last words, my last words to my daughter were, Okay, let them take care of you and then call me back. My daughter never called me back. She wanted to. When the doctor told me, when the doctor called me, she told me Jamie wanted to call me. Jamie asked to call me before they put her on the vent. Dr. Tamara Simpson. I'll never forget this number. Dr. Tamara Simpson told me Jamie's oxygen went down to 45%. Again, I'm not a medical person. But if your oxygen is out at 45%, you can't talk. No. You, you can't reason. You, there's, you're, you're oxygen deprived. Your brain's not working right. Correct. So I asked her, did Jamie give you consent? She said, yes. I said, how? She said, well, I asked her if, she, if it's okay to put her on the vent. And she shook her head, yes.
2: Um, oxygen. Sure, she did.
1: Yeah. So in her records, same doctor, same date, same time, same patient. It's documented twice. One is 60% and one is 70%. So was it 45%, 60% or 70%? I'll never know. I will never know.
0: What did when you when you when you asked the hospital that quote? Like, well, what did they have to say about that?
1: Nothing. Nothing. They, you know, my we pushed. We 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 pushed hard. We
0: oh, pushed you did hard. everything. Good. You
1: know, um, I, they kept telling me, you know, well, Jamie's not the only patient here. There's 36 other patients. And I finally got tired of hearing it. And I said, well, you know what? If I could advocate for all 36, I would. But I can only advocate for my daughter. So what the hell are you doing for my daughter? Good for you. You know, um, Jamie was murdered for four reasons. One, she was unvaccinated.
0: I was going to ask you that. She was not vaccinated.
1: She was unvaccinated. Mm. Two, she was morbidly obese, according to the records. Three, she was uninsured. She was weeks away. She had just gotten a promotion at work. And, and she was within her 90-day period, she gotten a promotion at work. She was going to become a supervisor. And she was within weeks of getting her insurance. And four, she had a family that advocated for her and was talking to her. And she was realizing what was happening to her. Mm. So this doctor, Tamara Simpson, vented her so that we could not talk to Jamie and Jamie could not advocate for herself any longer. What, she was on what, hospital, hospital. what hospital is this? Northeast Baptist Hospital in San Antonio.
0: In San Antonio.
1: San Antonio, Texas. But you know what? It doesn't matter what hospital. No. The, ho- the hospital protocol is the same across the nation. Yeah. She could have been at university or, you know, Baptist downtown or Methodist or Santa Rosa. It wouldn't have mattered. The hospital protocol was the same.
0: Well, I asked this question only because it's Texas. And if you're not, I mean, you know, there is no, if you're not safe in Texas, if you're, I mean, right. In the reddest of the states, you hear stories like this. We Um, have 100
2: Texas protocol cases in our database.
0: Say that again, Carolyn. We
2: have 100 Texas. A protocol deaths in our database and I mean, there's hundreds waiting to be interviewed
0: the tentacles are 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 far reaching are you are you, i take it that you're not vaccinated either denise
1: no and i will never be vaccinated my husband is vaccinated my husband took two because of work he works at the va mm. and he had to take two and he is fighting cancer right now um bladder cancer and it's the aggressive form and their cancer does not run in his family. Post facts. Yeah. He's bladder cancer post facts. Yeah.
0: Post facts. So when COVID first hit, what were you, did you guys have discussions you and your family? Did you talk about COVID? Did you guys have fears of COVID? Walk us through that a little bit.
1: We didn't, none of us really feared COVID. We had a healthy respect for it. Um, you know, Jamie probably had more of a fear than anyone else. Um, but she understood that it was a virus, and there wasn't anything that really there's, there's not a protocol for a virus other than treating the symptoms. right. Um, her sister had already had COVID. her nephew had a, her nephew who lived with her. I already had COVID twice, I believe, at that point. So COVID had already hit the family. And we had, they had taken, you know, gone to the doctor, gotten the ivermectin, taken the vitamins, you know, followed the correct protocol, treated the symptoms, right? So when Jamie and Tim got sick, um, they knew what to do. But unfortunately for Jamie those medications was she did not get the ivermectin ivermectin she did not go to the doctor and get the ivermectin um so she was trying to treat it with over the counter um her sister was planning on coming up that weekend and taking her to her house and getting her in to see the doctor but jamie made the decision prior to to go into the hospital since then Um, since September of 2021, well, while Jamie was in the hospital, I got COVID. My mother got COVID. My husband got COVID. Mm. Um, my oldest daughter came up. I don't live in San Antonio. My mom came up from Rockport, which is about a four hour drive. And, uh, we were staying in a hotel right around the corner from the hospital. Well, my daughter came up and picked us up and took us to her house My husband came the day after Jamie was murdered. He came down and with COVID and came down to my my daughter's house. So my my daughter is working a full-time job and um, nursing the three of us with COVID. Every one of us went to the doctor. Every one of us got uh, Ivermectin, z pack and other medications, monoclonal antibodies, and we're all here to tell a story um i should not be here i was that sick the doctor kept telling my daughter in fact i went to the hospital twice um once my daughter took me and then once my ambulance because i kept passing out i couldn't stay awake um so it was it was very severe very the doctor kept telling nicole that um your mom needs to be in the hospital. And she said, he was a doctor that was going to transfer Jamie and accept Jamie. So he knew everything that happened. Mm. And she said, she's not going to go in the hospital. And if you try to admit her, she will use her last bit of strength and her last breath to crawl out of the hospital, which was true. Yeah. Um, that particular hospital, the little country doctor, country hospital, little tiny little hospital down in South Texas. On the second floor of the hospital, they have a clinic and in that clinic, you can go get IV IV fluids and oxygen. Nicole took me twice um, to that little clinic to get those things because I was so sick. Um, He had, the doctor had, He had the prescription ready. All I mean, he all he had to do was fax it over for uh, IV fluids and oxygen. Um, I don't know why I'm still here. I I do. I'm Jamie's voice now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm much better than her voice.
0: was there any is a real
2: good example that's you know everybody in the family people much older than Jamie and um you know even Denise's mom they all got covid very sick with covid they're all here to tell about it Jamie's the only one that got remdesivir and is not here to tell about
1: it she's the only one that went to the hospital the rest of us refused to go to the hospital
2: because they didn't put they didn't take remdesivir and they didn't put them on a vent and that's why you're here
0: I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like this ignoring of things that are so obvious. I mean, if you pulled the average person off the street and said, this patient got this and this and this outcome happened, and this patient got this and this outcome happened. I mean, the, you know, a hundred out of a hundred people would say, okay, if this happens to me, I'm going with this. I'm not going with that. And here you have medical professionals all across the nation that said exactly what they told Denise. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go with something that works. It's I a mean, it's, threatened. Mm-hmm. Crazy. it's, it's, it's crazy. just mad. Did, did you get any remorse from the, from the hospital staff? <laughs> no, mm.
1: no. In fact, in fact, the day September 13th of 2021. Nicole was at work. And she got a call from Doctor Paloma, and said that Jamie was in cardiac arrest. And Nicole already knew, so she called a friend of hers, and she met the friend. And the timing was impeccable because she got in the car with her friend, and Nicole's phone rang. And she says your sister's dead what do you want to do with the body that's how i told her
0: this is the doctor yes wow
1: yeah
0: wow that person has that person has no no earthly business being a a medical professional at all
1: No, no no and and of course you know nicole is in she's crying. She's, you know, in shock. She's crying. She's upset. And, um, her friend says, don't worry about it. I got her and hung up on the doctor. Mm. Because she was so, so cold. And there was no, no empathy. Callous, very callous. A couple of weeks, it was probably about a month after, um, after Jamie's murder, my husband and Tim and I went to the hospital to get Jamie's records. And uh, that in itself was an ordeal. Hmm. I, I don't remember. I, I was.
0: Did they I was give those like willingly?
1: Covering. No, no. I so um, so th- that ordeal was so, I'm her mom, I'm next of kin they knew that, it's all over the records right um, I go in there my husband fills out the record the, the request he checks everything and then puts you know, other to because we want everything, right yeah um, she says, okay, may I see your ID so I give her my ID and she goes I can't give you these records and I said, why not? She says, well, you're not the one that signed um, after your daughter passed away. Nicole did because I was too sick. I didn't even know. I had no clue what Nicole was doing,
0: mm. but
1: it all fell on Nicole because I was so sick. I couldn't stay awake for longer than two minutes. Yeah. That's how sick I was. So. I'm, you know, I I, I don't want to be there. I I definitely don't want to be doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. there. And to make a long story short, Tim drags me out into the hallway before I got charges pressed against me. Um,
2: <laughs> Didn't you lunge over the desk or
1: something? I started to and Tim grabbed me. Yeah. Um, actually that was twice because for some reason, anyway, I got Nicole on the phone and they worked it out to where Nicole sent her information and they finally put the request in and gave us part of the records. Um, I don't remember why, but we went up to the second floor and we were in Victor's office. I don't remember why we were up there but we were we were having a conversation and I'm sitting in the chair across from him he's sitting in his chair my husband is beside him and Tim is beside me and I asked Victor something I can't remember what I asked him now but he leans back in his chair looks down his nose at me and says well when your daughter was discharged That's when I almost lunged across, well, I started to lunge across the, the desk because I said, my daughter wasn't discharged. My daughter was murdered and he looks at me and he goes, okay. I said, okay. And that's when I lunged. And again, Tim took me out into the hallway, um, I'm not a violent person. But the coldness and callousness and the dismissal, the rudeness. This is my daughter. Right. My youngest child that I have for 36 years before they murdered her. And he says, okay. I i don't i don't
0: know too many people that wouldn't have had the same exact feelings that you had i know i wouldn't have um carolyn this is this is a story denise's story is a story that should not be told and um and unfortunately we we there's there's a lot of stories like this too many
2: yeah we're up to almost 1300 in our database with hundreds waiting to be interviewed it never stops just yeah. like this, and you know, we talked about. I think I came on your show one time. We talked about the commonalities, and I was sitting there writing them down as Denise was. Um, the twenty-five commonalities that we see in all the hospital martyrs, and they're all the same. And I mean, she rattled. I heard twelve of them. I think she's got more than that, actually. Do you yeah. remember how many commonalities you have? Isolation, the dehumanization, the denial of, of other treatments, the um, lack of communication. The um, respiratory therapy is going up too fast. You know, too much oxygen too soon. Um, Isolated even in death. Uh, Transfer denied. Dehumanization. Like when Jamie had to go to the bathroom, they wouldn't take her to the bathroom. Denise had to call Mm. and say, my daughter has to go to the restroom. I mean, they're treated Mm. like animals. Mm. Um, uh, Discrimination for being um, unvaccinated. Uh, Pressure to be put on a vent. I'm Trying to think. I mean, you had almost all of them.
1: Um, denied nutrition and hydration. Yep. Mm, not um,
2: um basically. Something care. was wrong. I mean, these are something, these are the oh, yeah. same things we hear in every case, no matter where you are in the country, how old you are, what your comorbidities are. And you know, Denise asked a good question. I want to know who who wrote this protocol. And the mm-hmm. answer is a committee did. It wasn't mm-hmm. the CDC because Ivermectin was on the CDC. They were allowed mm-hmm. to have it. But the hospital committee Said no, we're only doing this because this is where we get the max amount of money. Right. Two hundred sixty-six average, two hundred sixty-six thousand dollars is the average across the country per patient. So you're worth way more uh, to them dead than you are alive. I mean, you're talking about, you know, we have whistleblowers that say nobody lived. You know, hundreds of people are are dying. Times that times two hundred sixty-six thousand dollars per patient. I mean, that's a a lot, a lot of money. And I think these doctors and nerf- nurses just had to just just become evil or something because they had to not have um, compassion or conscience or empathy because they were so robotic. You know, six milligrams of de- dexamethasone is on the protocol. That's a pediatric dose. Mm. They're giving it to someone that's, you know, I, I know a, a husband that was 300 pounds. That's what they were giving him. They might as well have given him a Tic Tac. I mean, mm. that's going to do zero. And, you know, what's your what's your rationale for giving them six milligrams of dexamethasone? And the doctors can only say protocol. Well, that's not being a doctor. Yeah. Doctor, right. you take your labs, you look at the labs, you look at the patient, then you act on those labs. So they're even drawing labs and not even using them. And that's billing fraud because if why draw the lab if you're not going to act on what the results are, right? So, you know, it, it's it's cookie cutter medicine. You don't even... They don't even need to be a doctor in there. Anybody can follow a protocol. I mean, I can
1: follow a recipe.
0: Right. Hey, right. I mean, I and know I mean, that.
1: That's some, a of really- some of this was even common sense. I mean, I knew that what they were doing was wrong, that it was killing my daughter. I didn't know they were giving her the medications they were giving her to hasten her death. But I knew what they were doing was wrong. I knew that, you know, if you have stuff in your lungs, you have to get it out. There mm. are modalities, you know, when, when in the past, have you gone in with lung issues and you're not doing the breathing treatments? Never. If, if Jamie COVID. would have
2: gotten ivermectin, some budesanine and an antibiotics, she would still be here today. 100%. I I know right. that without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, all I of mean, us that got COVID at home <laughs> didn't die of kidney failure or organ failure because respiratory viruses don't shut down your organs. Drugs do, mm-hmm. and when you have midazolam and tazolamab mm-hmm. and barcinim and remdesivir and medazolam, which they use for lethal injections, and fentanyl, mm-hmm. and I mean, Ativan. who what what an elephant couldn't handle all those, and right. you know. Her liver enzymes were elevated. She should have never gotten remdesivir in the first place. That's contraindicated. It says it right on the EUA. They must check for the healthy kidney and healthy livers. We have um, a a case where they gave it to the woman that had one kidney. So obviously they're not checking them. Um, And, you know, right when the doctor saw liver enzymes elevated, she should have never been a candidate. And when, even if you did give it to her, you see her sharply decline fast. You change something. You don't continue on the same thing that's doing not working. But they won't because if they stray from that protocol, they don't get the money. Yeah.
0: You know, you said something a second ago. You said I can follow a recipe. I mean, that's a, you know, as we're cooking something, we we take a little teaspoon and dip it into the yeah. bowl and maybe taste. May
2: need a little of that. maybe a little of this.
0: If if I'm tasting too much salt and the recipe keeps calling for salt, I'm not going to keep adding salt.
1: Exactly. I
0: can I can you know I can I can see, I can hear, I can taste. I I have senses as well. And as you just said, that's not being a doctor. And then the insidious thing is they can blame Jamie's vaccine status. And they can blame COVID and they can say, well, that's why she got sick. It's got nothing to do with the medication. It's got nothing to do with the protocol. It's the choices that she made. And it's the exact opposite.
2: Yeah. And, you know, your vaccine status should be irrelevant. A hospital should treat you to get better at the best that they can as an individual, whether you're vaccinated or not. Their job is to save your life and to get Mm. you well. Mm. Not not save your life if you're unvaccinated and save it if you're vaccinated. I mean the rest of us that are unvaccinated. And I mean, Denise, she was super sick. She didn't get remdesivir non-event. And when your lungs are full, you know, Brad, I don't know if I told you this before, when Brad was in Vietnam when COVID was announced and um, yes. what their government was telling them and what our government was telling us was completely different. They had less than 500 deaths when we were at 60,000. Guess what? They weren't using remdesivir and ventilators. Mm. And there, once we dropped the the vaccine bomb on them, that's when their death shot up to sixty thousand in six months. So you know that's a that's a country that Brad is heavily looking at as a control group yeah. because it's it's um, it's very clear that what we were doing was wrong and we knew it.
1: This this was a government sanction, a government incentivized psyop on the world. It wasn't just the United States; it was across the world. An innocent people died. Innocent people were murdered. And, and, you know, when we talk about the murders, we cannot leave out the fallout, right? Mm-hmm. Because because a murder doesn't just stop with that one person. It, the, the entire structure of our family has changed. Mm-hmm. The entire structure, you know. Jamie ha- had a then 15-year-old son, Jamie lived for her son. She adored that boy. Mm. She, she, was, she was told early on as a teenager that she could not get pregnant. He was a gift from God. Mm. And she cherished that gift more than anything in the world. Mm. He, is now, he is now living with his father, the DNA donor, as I call him. And he is being mentally and emotionally and physically abused. And every damn system that's supposed to protect him has failed him. The school system, the CPS system, the court system, the mental health system—every system has failed him. Failed him. We don't have. We don't. We don't have a system in America that is whole and is safe and is true anymore every system in america is broken and because of that we are seeing fallout that only god can come back and 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 restore these families and and restore the health and restore the justice in the school system and only oh god man Mankind cannot do it. We are instruments of God. But only God can do this. We are so... We have been taken over by a sinister, evil, vile, monstrous people. And they don't care. They don't care about us as human beings. We are worthless. They've even called us worthless eaters. Yeah. I am not a worthless eater. I am a daughter. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I'm a pet owner. I'm a, I'm a thriving American citizen. I am not a worthless eater. You are not a worthless eater. No one on this earth is a worthless eater except them.
0: I, I think that is so powerful and I think it's such an important point and I don't think it's a point that anybody's ever made on this show before. The fallout is so very important. The ripple effects. I mean, this, this, this goes on for two, three, four, five degrees of separation. I mean, there's, there, you know.
1: We have widows with young children. Those young children are going to grow up without their parents. We have elderly widows who depended on their husbands for their income. They're destitute now. Yeah. We have families that are absolutely torn apart because part of the family believes that their loved one was murdered and part of the family doesn't. But this is their plan. Yes. Their
2: suicides. Yes. Had two, one yes. woman had two, uh, two, lost their, her husband and had two suicides because of it in her family. Oh, my gosh. It's it's just a trail of destruction. That this is caused, and you know, and again, all by design, in my opinion, because there was working early treatments. And when when have we ever gone to the doctor and them say, "Go home until you're too sick to breathe, and then right. come back"? We've always treated everything early. You know, I've never gone to the doctor with a sore throat or or a cough, then they didn't give me something. Right. They didn't say, "Go home until you can't breathe." and you know keeping fluids out from you that's the first thing you learn when you're a kid when you have a virus is drink, drink plenty of plenty
0: fluids, fluids. right it's,
1: it's so yeah it's, yeah i was on the phone with jamie one time and i didn't know a nurse was in the room with her and she said mom i'm dry from the inside out like my um, mouth is so dry mom and I said, well, are they giving you fluids? And the nurse interrupted and said, well, I'm giving her sips of water. I said, sips of water. You're giving her sips of water. I said, she needs more than a sip of water. She goes, well, when we take the mask off, her oxygen drops. I said, then give her a piece of, of ice, a sliver of ice, right? right? right. The crushed ice.
0: Right.
1: Jamie's prone. She's on her stomach. And she says to me, I can't do that. It's a choking hazard. (laughs) When she's on her stomach.
2: It's just unbelievable. And the ignorance is is baffling.
1: Yeah. We asked, by the time Jamie was bedridden, we asked for for an NG tube so she could be fed. We asked for um, a catheter. No, they wouldn't give it anything because of sepsis, because of sepsis four things four things that jamie has on her certificate number one is covid number two acute kidney failure number three acute hypoxia and number four sepsis Mm. everything that we asked for they came back with some ridiculous answer as to why this would have been, prior to COVID, this would have been normal, everyday protocol towards saving a life or making someone comfortable.
0: Everything we've been taught and everything that we've learned about medicine for the last hundred years was just tossed out the window and completely everything. disregarded.
1: Exactly. There were no patient rights. The advocate had absolutely no rights whatsoever. None. Everything you're right, Mike. Everything prior to covid has been tossed out the window, and they're still doing it now I think now you can have someone in the room with you, but they have to be tested they have to you know they have to go through this whole rigmarole. Hmm. but um yeah it it's 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 mind boggling
0: Tell us about the months since denise and how you're um and how you're channeling this um this tragedy and what you're doing now.
1: Um, the first year, I don't remember. Mm. I I just remember. Um, I remember a lot of breakdowns, a lot of crying, um, a lot of anger, oh, a lot of anger. Thank God for my husband because and my family because i wouldn't be here i i never i never wanted to harm myself i didn't want to be here though i didn't want to live without my daughter um my grandson her her son i had to stay somewhat coherent for him um The first nine months of him being gone, I um, committed unadult behavior, according to the DNA donor. Because I met him um, at a restaurant across the street from his high school um, during his lunch hour. And uh, he needed me and I needed him. Um,
0: What's unadult about that?
1: I know. I don't know. I, I'll give you his information. You can call him and ask him. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the other thing too, and he knew he knew that we were going to give Aiden a phone because we had discussed that I have text messages. And um I gave him the phone and didn't tell him that Aiden had the phone. So those were the things that um he considered an adult behavior. And um uh, testified in court that if I would apologize for my quote, unquote, unadult behavior, it would go far in reestablishing the relationship between me and my grandson.
0: Give me a break.
1: He's just a narcissist. That's mm. all that is. Now here's, here's, here's the, here's the, here's the kicker, Mike.
0: Talk about so, unadult behavior. I
1: right. took him, <laughs> I took him to court, mm. Right. I had a court order signed that said the judge was to interview Aiden in her chambers away from everybody. She asked my attorney, my attorney and I three times. She demanded we produce the child. Now think about that. I'm in court asking for visitation and or custody of my grandson Three times, three times, Judge Antonio, Tony, Antonio, Tony Artega in 57th Civil District Court, Bear County, San Antonio, Texas, asked three times, produce the child. You didn't have a child. We, I, I we feel don't like have I'm missing child.
0: something, right?
1: Right. She finally says after the first time, well, who has the child? He speaks up and says, I do. She says, produce the child. He says, I can't do that. In court, he refuses. Mm. And she says, Why not? I don't want him missing his core classes. What is his schedule? I don't know. How about after school? He has football practice. When can you produce the child? Well, I'm not really sure, Your Honor. They have a conversation. My attorney's silent. They're having a a conversation. They agree. My grandson will be interviewed the next morning in his home, in his father's office, on his father's computer via Zoom. Mm. But now, Dad, you can't be around. You have to give him space. You have to leave him alone.
2: Like interviewing the, the victim next to their abuser. I mean, it doesn't work
1: that way.
0: Right. No, it doesn't work that, that
1: way. That didn't even happen. She called him. They had a phone conversation when he was at school around the corner from the workout room.
2: But he's scared. He's
1: scared, too. He's petrified.
0: Of course. Petrified.
1: He, he feels like he has to protect me and his great-grandmother, his meemaw. Hmm. because there has been threats made against us he told me that in his freshman year when i was meeting him at the restaurant he told me
2: they also have pictures of him with bruises around his neck where he's been grabbed and that wasn't enough to get him removed
1: no jasmine owens with uh, bear county cps west side division I see I see the bruising around his neck but it doesn't rise to the criteria to get for CPS to get involved. Mike, let me grab you and put bruising on your neck and see what kind of charges I get.
0: Well, I'm just curious to 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 know what does rise to the what exactly right. are they waiting it for it to happen?
1: I don't know. He Another was he was system. 15. He was 15 when that happened. Mm -hmm. But they made me take him back. Now, the only system that did do right by Aiden was San Antonio Police Department. They did remove him. And they advised me not to go anywhere that night um, that the father would be able to find us. So we rented a hotel room. And the next night we went to I didn't want to take him out of the San Antonio area. Um, So the next night we went to um, Tim's house and spent the night at Tim's house. But uh, on Wednesday, so that, that happened Monday. Mm -hmm. And on Wednesday I had to take Aiden back to school and he had to go back to the donor. Mm
0: Carolyn, Denise, a moment ago spoke about the tough time that she had in the wake of um, Jamie's passing. Um, the injustice of it all. Y- you know, you, you, th- with your organization, former feds group, you hear dozens of these stories. Um, it doesn't get any easier, does it?
2: No, I st- I mean, I tear it up today. Every time you hear him, it's just, I mean, I, you have to put yourself in that person's shoes and just, it's like living a horror movie. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I think about my mother, if my grandson, if my nephew was taken away. I mean, it would kill her. You know, this is just cruel. And But you know, Denise is grieving so hard and she has been for a long time, but she's pissed off too. And Gross. a lot of the, all these victims are the, the, these parents that lost children and, you know, wives that lost husbands and husbands. I mean, everyone's pissed yes. and she's, she's grieving, but she's fighting even harder. You know, she's uh, very active in our organization and Denise has a gift of, of um, she's very compassionate and she, she listens to other people. I mean, she just lived this horrible situation, losing her daughter, but she'll listen to other victims. And she, she's taken the initiative to run the parents meeting for parents who lost children. And, you know, that's hard to do. When you're, when you lost yours and listen to other parents grieving and talking about their stories and in a daytime group, and then she'll take over sometimes on Monday night for me if I have to leave. And she's very, she's much better at it than I am. She's very, um, compassionate and empathetic. She's a great and, communicator. Yes. And, and makes the other victims feel comfortable. And I think that's really her calling. You know, why, why did she went through this? You know, I don't know, but I know that the heroes are the Jamies of the world that are going to inspire the rest of us to stand up and fight to save this country because that's what they had to take. Good people (laughs) for us to do that. You know, they had to take the best of the best for us to be motivated. You know, they took a bunch of thieving crackheads and no one would care. But if you take these good, beautiful people, people are going to get mad and they're going to stand up and fight. And I really think that was God's plan And we have to look at them as heroes, as soldiers that sacrificed on the battlefield of the spiritual battle.
0: 100. I agree with that. 100%. That's, that's really what it is. Um, You know, the other side views it as, as collateral damage. Maybe even there are some people that are so sick on the other side that this brings them some kind of sense of satisfaction, but that's really, that's really what this is. I mean, we are, we are at war and, um, if there's any positive side, it's that I think people are waking up to that fact because for decades and decades, only one side knew we were at war. Right. And now Very I think true. we're all kind of becoming attuned to that.
2: And some people don't want to accept it or, or believe it. But I always tell people, I said, if you're wondering what you would have been like well, during the Holocaust or how you would have behaved, you're doing that now. This is so it. That'll answer your question for you. Because if you want to look the other way while your neighbors are bust out, you know, of your neighborhood and never come back and just look the other way, pretend like it didn't happen. Silence is complicit at this point. There's too much data out there. There's too many stories. You know, we're one of many, many organizations. And, you know, if we can have if we can have thousands in our database, you know, Children's Health Defense and and Truth for Health and all these other organizations, they have thousands, too. There's way too many out there and the the science is out and the data is out about these drugs. Um, you know, AJ DePriese is an incredible researcher and she wrote a white paper called follow the blood money I may have sent it to you, but in that paper and everything sourced and, you know, very factual. And there's a chart in there that gives all the therapies that were used for COVID and fourth from the top is ivermectin at a 63% improvement rate. Um, over a hundred studies, I think it was 101 studies and it cost a dollar. I uh, Remdesivir was third from the bottom. It had 11% improvement rate with 39 studies that cost $3,200. So who can look at that and say, well, clearly Ivermectin is right. cheaper, more studies, every a hundred percent efficacy in a hundred studies but we're going to choose this one down here that's only 39 studies and only 11%. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that math.
0: You do not have to be a rocket scientist, and you do not have to be a doctor. Um, speaking of remdesivir, Denise, you, you've you signed on to the, um, the lawsuit against Gilead. Tell us about that.
1: Yes. Um, it's a class action. It will be. It will eventually turn into a class action lawsuit. And everyone that was in the hospital that got remdesivir and they've signed up with CHBMP will be included in that in that uh, lawsuit. Um, I am seeking an attorney to take my case. Um, The statute and limitations on Med Mal has expired, but I don't want to sue for Med Mal. Um, It was not Med Mal. It was not malpractice. It was not, it was pure, unadulterated, premeditated murder. Mm. That's what it was. And, and I can tell you about yeah. those
2: cases because most of the cases, we have about 90 filed across the country and they're not using Mal for the most part. They're using fraud and fraud has a longer statute. In Denise's um, situation, she has a fraud case. She has a criminal case. And she's got a class action case and she has a false claims case because they gave um her remdesivir when it's contraindicated when it said her liver enzymes were high, that, that excluded her from being able to take it according to the UA. So false claims act um or false claims cases have a six year statute. Fraud has a four criminal has none. And we have all of those going and the class action I think has four. But uh, we're working with a group of attorneys that have written a formal complaint, 90 pages with exhibits with, we had all the victims of that particular state write a handwritten note to go in with that complaint that went to the AG of Texas. It's about to go to, uh, went to AG of Florida, Texas, about to go to Oklahoma and Louisiana <laughs> um, asking for a criminal investigation to be opened against Fauci and company for second degree murder. Mm. And, this complaint, these attorneys have been working on it for two years. And all we need is one AG to say, okay, we'll open one because, I mean, if you're convicted of murder, you're convicted of murder. We don't have to keep going to all these
1: states. Right. And Mike, I want to, excuse me, Cece, I'm going to jump in here real quick. So in April of 2023, I wrote to Attorney General, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, and I wrote to Governor Abbott. And I sent him a packet. It was Jamie's story. It was a picture of Jamie. It was 25 commonalities and what I wanted to see happen. I got form letters back. It wasn't even from them. It was from their staff. Mm. Um, So I'm calling out Attorney General Ken Paxton. You're getting this. this. You are getting this formal letter from attorneys. And sir, I'm telling you now, Two weeks after you receive that, there will be a group of us in Austin at your door Mm. and we will be protesting, demanding, demanding an investigation into all of this from the very top to the very bottom. I don't care. You know what? If you were a orderly, if you went in my daughter's room one time and changed the trash, you are guilty. You are guilty of murder. That's it. I think You're-
2: we have a good chance with Ken Paxton uh, of all the AGs and Louisiana one as well.
0: I don't I don't think Denise's statements there are too strong. I think that's absolutely right. And I know, Carolyn, that you guys have a um have a group that is welcoming of whistleblowers. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we have the whistleblower protection program and we encourage whistleblowers to come out because you know those kind of programs are what are used to bring down cartels and major criminal, you know, um, organizations. And it's a race to confess because if you're not one of the first, you're you're you're, you're on the chopping block.
0: I so, have been beating this drum for weeks and months. Come forward now. Time is running out. This this whole thing is going to come crumbling down. And well, if you think that you're going to skate. You are deluding yourself. Come forward. It's never going to get any better than it is right now.
2: Uh, Yeah. And, you know, all the 90 cases that we've referred out, not a single one's been dismissed. Many have made it past the PREP Act. So if they think they've got this blanket immunity, they're wrong because the PREP Act does not cover fraud. And that's what it is. It doesn't cover murder either. No. You know, I, I see crimes... Against humanity trials in the near you know future probably 26 27 it's not that far away oh,
1: um,
2: but we have to build the, the foundation first with the with the whistleblower testimony the eyewitness testimony um, and the, the civil cases criminal charges class action suits make it um, appealable to the big firms to come forward and get in the game so you know financially that that's what that's what they want. You know, they're mm-hmm. they won't get in right now because they don't think there's money in it. But right. once you see they see start seeing cases going through and making it and settlements left and right, I think there's gonna be a case in, in California that's gonna settle pretty soon against Kaiser. Well Kaiser's a big system. Yep. We have lots of Kaiser cases. Yep. So um I think they're gonna they're gonna start seeing the money in this. And you know, false claims cases don't cost that much to do. Med mouths are super expensive. Yeah. But false claims aren't and um, fraud is a little bit less, too. But, you know, these all have longer statutes. And we're trying to get the PREP Act contested and and um, ruled unconstitutional because it is. It's absolutely unconstitutional. So, you know, the, the statutes may start all over after that's done. The, I mean, we're working every angle we can to try to get justice for these people because they deserve it. They need it. and And we have to make sure that this never happens again. And we set the example that we're not putting up with it.
1: There will be justice. There will there be will justice be for Jamie. There will be justice for every single person that was murdered in the co- in the COVID hospital protocol.
2: On earth and uh, up there,
1: too. And yes, Scott's got the final burden. Absolutely. But, and and in trouble. I'm only speaking for myself here. I If, if, if an attorney picks up my case, I am not suing for money because there is not an amount of money that will. Appease or whatever. My daughter's worth more money than than they right. could ever come up with. Right. You know. Um I want justice. I want justice. I want accountability, and I want those evil murderers held responsible. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. It's it's not about the money. It's about holding them responsible. They took my daughter. Mm-hmm. And they didn't think anything of it. They took her. They threw her out of this world like a freaking piece of trash. And she wasn't. She's not. She's. She was my baby girl. Mm. She was 36. She was a hard worker. She was an amazing, caring, devoted mom. Mother, daughter, granddaughter, aunt, sister, friend. She wasn't somebody that just somebody from wherever just decided that, oh, well, she's a worthless piece of trash. No, 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 she's not. And she wasn't. And somebody somewhere is going to answer for it. It's not about the money. I don't care about the money. I care about getting justice for my daughter. I care about holding each and every one of them responsible and accountable for what they've done. Not only for my daughter, but for every person that they murdered or harmed. We have people that survived. God only knows, thank God they did because they are a strong witness. For what went on in that hospital, in the hospitals, you know. And they're all in therapy
2: because of the PTSD. <laughs>
0: yeah. Bad.
2: You know, yeah. We had one survivor, they played, while well, he was on the vent, they played horror movies. Oh, Think about that. Gosh. You're on a ventilator, you're aware of what's going on, but you can't move and you're scared and there's horror movies on, on your television.
0: This is criminal behavior. I mean, it's nothing it's less cruel. than criminal it's behavior. Straight
2: out of the book of torture.
0: It really is. Yeah. Um Denise in the few moments that we have left here if, if for someone who a family who's going through what you guys went through what advice would you give them? What would you tell them is there anything that that would make it a little I imagine not. Is there anything that makes it a little bit easier? How would how would you have them reach out to to support groups, to things like that?
1: That is the biggest thing I want them to know is that they're not alone. Yeah. Until I found former Fed CHBMP, I felt so alone. I knew what happened. My family has been from the get go. We knew what was happening. We thank thank God my family didn't abandon me, mm. like a lot of other families did. But I would tell them you're not alone. Reach out. Reach out. Go on to chbmp Fill out the form. Um. The the support systems are all the support groups are all listed on there reach out reach out to to us because this is a totally different this this is something that no one has ever experienced before yes right there's been murders before but when there's a murder there's usually an investigation even if it doesn't turn out the way you want, at least somebody hears you and somebody takes action. We have been ignored. Yes. We have been ridiculed. We have yes. been, you name it. We've gone through it, okay? You are not alone. You are not alone. Whether you're a parent, a sibling, uh, a grandparent, a widow, a widower, a brother, a sister, your mom, your dad, whatever—you're not alone. Reach out. Reach out to us on um, February third. Um, so, not only am I holding the the support groups, but on February third, it's the first Saturday in February at Northeast Baptist Hospital from eleven to one. I'm going to be holding a protest, and um, yes. It's about the COVID medical, COVID hospital protocol, but it's about medical freedom, too. Yeah. So I invite anyone and everyone to come. It will be a peaceful protest, but I invite people to come. We have to stand up to these monsters. We yep. have to show them we're not going to grieve and just go away. Yes, I'm a grieving mom, like Carolyn said. I'm a grieving mom, but I'm a pissed off mom. Yep. And you don't piss off a mama bear.
0: No, you don't. No, you don't. Everybody's well important
2: to for people to come and and, to, and stand for medical freedom because you know what rights we do have left, freedom of assembly is one of them, yes, and that's what it's for. It's to stand up and say we're not going to stand for this. So, you know, whether it's against vaccines or protocols or just cons- informed consent, it affects you and it, it maybe. Denise's daughter, but this whole protest and this whole movement it affects every single American.
0: They're coming for us all. They are. They're, I mean, you know, you, people need to come to grips with that. Um, Carolyn, you know how I feel about former Feds Group? I think you guys are doing yeoman's work. I can totally foresee the day where the work that you guys have done is listed in history books and is and is listed um at the very least in 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 lawsuits. I mean this is you're chronicling this history um these murders as as we've spoken about here. Tell the folks about the events that you guys have coming up and um and how they can find you
2: so denise's event the 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 stand for medical freedom is February third at um Northeast Baptist in San Antonio. There's an event page on on Facebook. There also is a one in Oklahoma at the the state capitol in the rotunda on February 10th. Amazing lineup of all star speakers um, from all over the country. That's from one to five on February 10th. That's the second Saturday of the of the month.
0: Doctor Sherwood's in- going to be there. I believe he's been Dr. on the Sherwood, show
2: before. Um, Rachel Rodriguez, who's the attorney that wrote the criminal complaints, Scott Miller. I think you may have had Scott before on um, Doctor James Dr. R- Lindsay the toxicologist and molecular biologists that testified in Congress. Um, Renato Moon. Media, Dr. Moon, yes. Um, Dr. Giafonti, who's a, a ER doctor of 50 years plus a COVID protocol survivor. I mean, he's he's amazing. Um, terrific,
0: terrific lineup.
2: Yeah, just, I mean, you'll learn something. You can learn how to get involved, and you can uh, become aware of what's going on and, and the importance of, of all this and why we're doing these these events and then of course we're having our second rally halt hospital homicide um in june we had one last march and we had 550 people come from all over the country even alaska every state and um mickey willis will be premiering his new movie at our Mm. event called bad medicine Mm. and um uh brian dr brian artist will be a keynote speaker um dr witcher um warner mendenhall Big time attorney took on the Shara case. Yeah. So we've got another great lineup of speakers and plus a movie premiere that'll be in, in the Houston area in June. So go to our website, chbmp.org, and you can learn all about that. We have 15 support meetings a week now. There's one for everybody, parents who lost children, men's only, women's only, soul care. Um, we have art therapy. We have PTSD <laughs> workshop with a licensed um nurse practitioner and trauma specialist. We've got prayer warriors on Sunday. We've got Monday, Megan meeting. Um, We've got Twitter spaces with over a thousand listeners on Saturday nights. So the support is there. And um, I encourage people to take advantage of that. It's absolutely free. And we're here to help you.
0: There's absolutely strength in numbers. I want to thank you guys for coming on and spending this time with us and Denise, for sharing your story um your family is is in our prayers jamie is in our prayers and um thank you please come back and and keep us updated on all this great work all right thank you thank you you for having us